hello everybody <laughs> i don't know what that was but hello and welcome back to another episode of crime at the family table i am your host Alyssa, and today i am joined by the effervescent oh illustrious oh speaks to me ever ever oh that's the word i'm looking for I'm going to say evergreen because she'll never go out of style. She'll yeah, always she'll sure. always be in the conversation. Uh, I'm joined by my good friend, Latanya, for this episode. We are so happy to be back together. Um, and we're happy to bring you another episode. We're almost done our season, which is crazy. Thank you so much for continuing to come back. We have some new listeners that have joined us. You guys have given us uh, ratings. We are paying attention. We are taking notes. Um, and we're just, we're still going to keep doing this thing. As long as you're listening, we're here. And I see we got some followers on the pod. So like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I am so happy to be back. I'm so excited about like all like you know the growth we've made and like this past like, over a year that we've been doing this and like and our continued work forward like we really haven't taken no breaks I think we because we utilize the fact that if we just you know if one of us needs a break we'll just solo dolo it and we stand strong and we've like you know challenging ourselves to do that because at first it was just like nope we, we, we were each other's security blankets <laughs> exactly but we, we're we're growing we're learning we're getting better and better yeah. um i'm so um yeah so today's the last uh episode of you know the crime but next week please feel free to join us it's like i think it's our favorite segment our shoot the shit like i feel like i love that like i think we're gonna start incorporating that every season like at the final episode we're just gonna do a shoot the shit because i think that that closes us out on more of a lighter note where we can really just talk like how we normally talk as girlfriends and of course we'll cover like what's in the blogs, little gossip, little like, you know, just random things like you're like you're sitting at the at the table with us chatting amongst friends. So those are definitely our favorite episodes. Um but now I don't I don't know the the warning that I'm giving <laughs> like as far as what today's episode entails, but there is a trigger warning and Latine is going to tell us what that, like, what we're warning you about, but yeah. if so, it's not for you. Yeah. Take care of yourself first. First one. So our trigger warning this week is definitely, um, it because it's, uh, involves children. So, you know, anything involving children, I definitely do give a trigger warning. This is not going to be extremely, um graphic is not one of those type of we first of all we don't subscribe to being that type of podcast anyway but just to let you know it's not graphic but the mention of children can be a sensitive subject so please feel free to take care of yourself um and join us it's definitely especially for our shoot the shit episode where it's a more lighter note and more things that we can more talk about more freely and openly we're not as on edge and worried about the subject matter okay so you know, th- so this week we're on the 1900s, y'all. It just uh, keeps getting spicier and spicier as the, the decades go. <laughs> Rewind. The more you're in the past, the more it gets like, you just be like, dang. But I think what brings things into context of like the type of world we're living in, I think is like understanding like the history. So some of like the historical facts about like, so we're going from like, this is 19. 19- 1900 to 1910 this is early 1900 this is the beginning of the 1900 um the the 20th century the beginning of the 20th century so we are in the time where in 1900 sigmund freud publishes his work the interpretation of dream oh boy yeah yes and this is not the the only time sigmund is going to be mentioned in this in this era so uh 
please hold your hold your seats. But the interpretation of dreams is there. This is like I think the first book of its kind that actually goes in depth about like the meaning behind our dreams and like you know what we're actually thinking because uh, if case nobody knows, Sigmund Freud worked a lot with like kind of the past signifying what goes on in the future mm -hmm. and what goes on in our subconscious and the dreams of being what our subconscious is doing while we're while we're at rest and what those dreams mean i mean it was the first of its kind i'm sure it was very controversial probably still controversial today like <laughs> oh, sigmund. sigmund sigmund he is in the Thank psych you. world today he is everybody looks at him with question mark face but go ahead yeah. But he's like he's in everything. So like when you think of Sigmund Freud, like Sigmund Freud is in criminology, sociology, he's in psychology because you have to think like Sigmund is kind of working on things that are unfounded. And so like you kind of got to be a little controversial, but he's the type of guy that'd be like, he'll be on some type of registry nowadays. Like, like eh, what's going on? He... I have my thoughts on Freud as a, as I am a mental health professional, but I respect him to a certain extent because it's mm -hmm. like he is the father of psychology, of modern psychology. So, and the founder of psychoanalysis, all that stuff. He was very into, he will probably be into shadow work. Yes, yes. The shadow working journal, because yeah, he would definitely like, that's probably his oh my god he's probably like almost pissing his pants with anticipation for that and and so yeah definitely so the founding father like he inventions the interpretation of dreams all right so we move into year the following year the end of the victorian era happens in 1901 when queen victoria dies after a 63 year reign which was considered rather successful by the accounts of that time it was a rather successful reign and she was you know revered in her time of, of ruling and I don't even know fully the history of Queen Victoria all I know is what they tell me on Bridgerton what they tell me in Chandelier listen I know zero except for that except for that um all right in September of 1901 uh, President William McKinley is assassinated at the age of 42. Uh, the date that he is assassinated is September 6th. And so it is important to note that then his VP, who was Theodore Roosevelt at the time, at the time, is inaugurated eight days later on September 14th. So around this time, we're not inaugurating people months down the line to transition that. Like at this point in time, it's just like, babe, clean up your shit, got to go. I don't even think the funeral procession was dang near happening. The funeral was over, they said, babe, he didn't move in, so what's the point? <laughs> that is hilarious. They they really, yeah, they, 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 it was choices were made. All right, so in 1901, the same year, uh, the first Nobel Prizes were introduced, so they were they were awarded. So in in the areas of literature, medicine, chemistry, physics, and in peace. So I completely forget that, like, cause I I know of the Nobel Peace Prize. Same. Right, but there's Nobel Prizes to be in like multiple areas, so you can win one in literature, medicine, chem, and physics at this time. Yeah, so it's very, that's very, and I do know that like, because like, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself like, because I think the Nobel Peace Prize is most significant because these are people that are really like social leaders and groundbreakers. Like these are people that are going to put the future on the map with making sure that we are, we still here as a humanity and society. <laughs> yeah. If nothing else, Freud was a groundbreaker for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh no! So Freud didn't get a Nobel Prize. No, I know that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, but to be, it, to be in that conversation, like he was. Hmm. I, I was like, I thought I was going to say like he wouldn't win no Nobel Prize, not not in anything. Not for back then, no. They would not have recognized any of that. Mm -hmm. Nasty ass. Like okay, so nineteen oh two, President Theodore Roosevelt, who was known as Teddy Roosevelt. 
um, had refused to kill a tied up uh, bear um, while on a hunting trip. This drew like the satire from cartoonists who had drew a, a cuddly teddy bear um, and this became, and then I guess these two individuals decided, hey, this is adorable. Let's say the teddy's bear. Like they literally, instead of like saying regular teddy bear, they call it teddy's bear for President Roosevelt. I know that's where they got teddy bear from, which is very, very interesting. It right. seemed like they had a lot of time on their heads, but you're right. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt, please folks, look him up. He is a horrible human being. Like he is he is pitchforking in, 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 in hell. Okay, y'all. Like he is not in a good place. All right. Um in 1903, the first license plate is issued, like ever, in America. In Massachusetts, plate number one is issued to Frederick Tador whose family to this day uses that license plate. His descendants use that license plate. That's kind of cool. That I just want to be the, like, like a lot of firsts are happening here. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. All right. Um, in 1903, the first world series is held. Um, the world series was between the American league of Boston Americans and national league, the Pittsburgh private Pittsburgh won. Um, out of best of nine games, five five out of uh three uh, five of the of the eight games, they won. The Pittsburgh Pirates. I the Pittsburgh Pirates jersey hanging up in my closet because my partner wanted one. Listen, like I, and it's interesting because like the American League, Boston Americans, like I'm guessing, like is that the Boston Red is that the Red Sox? Yeah, right. But it's the Red Sox now. Yeah, right. But Pittsburgh Pirates have always been the Pirates, so that's very interesting. Oh yeah. And like as you see how the name has changed, like Boston Americans, like that is like a very America. America. Only in America. (laughs) (laughs) Don't America. All right, the first silent movie is released called The Great Train Robbery. Hmm, okay. It is a very short film, so because you know, they maybe it costs a lot of money to make a little that little the, the little pictures go, okay? It was short. I think I've seen I've seen it before and it was like, "Oh, all right, that was fun. Let's go home." Like, what? Yeah. Child 1903, in 1903, New North Carolina is basically put on the map when the Kitty Hawk, the Wright brothers' plane, takes flight. Oh, that is in the early 1900s. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got about that. Like, like, I don't remember. I just knew about them, but like, I just didn't realize what year. But I'm like, dang, like, aviation has came a long way in 120 years. Like, Jesus. That's a lot. And a yeah. short, and then that's kind of a short amount of time, but right for us to be in this. But I mean, and knees to chest, baby, knees to chest. <laughs> Can you imagine getting on an airplane that, like, an airplane just coming out? <laughs> Yo, people didn't want to take the COVID vaccine. Could you imagine the first people that had to get on the flying? Oh, it is in North Carolina. The people was like, "What?" They- are you- about in the air, like <laughs> in the air. No offense no, to North Carolina. Right, <laughs> brother, taking a flight now, though. Like, imagine it. They probably would be like, <laughs> "There's a roof." <laughs> like, so you know, there was in a little plane with the pedals. That was yeah. their first little thing. Maybe they, they they did it themselves. They did it for themselves. And I think one of the brothers actually ended up dying not too long after this. And like their second, one of them did die shortly after. Yeah, yeah, like there was another attempt to go in the air, and like I think it it crashed. Like, and I think that that was like a known thing. Like other people had tried, but they all freaking died. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was crazy. Like, imagine. (laughs) I was I just were we having that conversation, or was I having that conversation with somebody else? That the fact that oh no, I was having it with with a client actually, 
if you think about how many people have had to die for some of these advancements in our in our society now is crazy. We talking vaccines, like how many people had to die to know that you're not supposed to eat this mushroom, but you can eat that one. Like, like, like these type of like all these things, like the like Empire State Building, all the people that have died for the Empire State Building, all the people that have for bridges, like like baby it is girl rest they soul because yeah. and this, and this also lets you know like um like a lot of these things are new like as you like also know like I, I don't know what area of north carolina but can you also imagine the fact that a lot of what was like out there was like a lot of farmland and rural area is now like major cities yeah like fully industrialized and and that's going to come in a little bit like i'm about to get into it so in 1904 mary mcleod bassoon mcleod bassoon i always mess her up she actually has a school named after her bassoon we have a bassoon in um silly a middle school bassoon cookman university yeah so she opens the Daytona Normal and Industrial Institute School for African Americans in Daytona, Florida. Um, in 1905, Albert Einstein proposes the theory of re- relative relativity. I'm having trouble with words today, y'all. Please forgive me. Uh, in 1905, we're, we're back with Freud, Daddy. Freud is back and he publishes the theory of sexuality. And baby, this is where we get into the mess. I'm ready. Oh, this is where the tea happens. And so in four years, he goes from dreams to sex. And he said, baby, I got some shit on. Baby, let me tell you what I'm dreaming about. He never looked back after that. Everything was sexy. Sexy sex. Yeah, this is where I think he gets into like the uh the Oedipus complex. Mm-hmm. and the Electra complex like baby if y'all don't know about that type of stuff I'm gonna I'm gonna take a long I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the short uh the cliff notes basically Freud is saying that in the early part of your development as a child you are attracted to the opposite sex parent mm-hmm. that you fantasize about that parent until you are get and and you become jealous of the the, the parent of the same sex and so but through development you turn that into basically uh like i guess um idolizing that parent of the same sex and Mm -hmm. kind of carrying yourself off of them so that when you grow up you can get a partner that is like the opposite sex parent because you learn through development that you're not supposed to be attracted to your parent but it teaches you kind of how to structure relationships that you are supposed to like take on your mother's like if you're a girl take on your mother's habits to get a man and and that literally is so like and I'm just like the, the heteronormativity of that is so crazy because what if you're not what if you're like what like that like it it is under that assumption and we were just like y'all check the man's hard drive like because that was not a thing you were a man with a woman and a woman with a man but now things I don't think he was necessarily wrong but his way of thinking was definitely skewed by heterosexuality and that's just weird yeah and and sex because it's the idea that like you're saying that a child kind of has a in a sense a attraction of some that they can garner for that parent and that idea is really dangerous because it's basically you you ever like met people it's like they was like oh like the mom is jealous of the daughter because they think the daughter as a competition yeah for attention and that is where that kind of dangerous complex comes from is that the idea that children just never are children and they can't just have child like they they they, i think that the part that they need to take out is the idea that 
the sexual nature of for the opposite sex parent. I think the I idea of idolizing the parent is true. I think because you realize that you're a girl and you have these girl things and your mom is your first example of what a girl is. And your boy, your father is the first example of what a boy is. And you take that on and you realize how you walk into the world. That's it. That's it. That's, that's all. He, he was just like, nope, you want to fuck your dad. You want to fuck your mom. And, and that's just it. I'm like, okay, get nasty ass. All right, um, 1906. We get into some some other things. So, speaking of industrial like build, uh, San Francisco experiences a 7.9 magnitude earthquake. This mm-hmm. earthquake is, is like devastating. Is just is is not even a word. So, 3,000 people die in mm-hmm. this earthquake. Um, from this earthquake and 80% of San Francisco is like totally destroyed. And that just goes to show you how far we've come. Like, because nowadays, like a 7.9, yeah, that's really like crazy. Like that's really bad. But the fact is like the 80% is just gone. And then you could just imagine, like imagine 80% of San Francisco now just being gone. There are millions of people. And there, there's like, there, there's like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in San Francisco. San Francisco is very dense population. So 3,000 people is a little number, really little number compared to what that would look like now. Like that would look like tens of thousands of people just going. That's wild. It's wild. Uh, in 1906, W.K. Kellogg opens the factory and opens a factory in Michigan with 44 employees to create cornflakes and quick little fun fact folks cornflakes was invented for the purpose of diminishing sexual arousal yep. so because he thought bland foods stop people stop uh kids from thinking impure thoughts and having premarital sex and masturbation all about the sex like they were sex obsessed they were sex obsessed i will tell you the religion <laughs> yeah yeah most definitely religion and also like real conservatism like extremely just and suppression of one's own desires like it was just Mm -hmm. and and you have to also realize that because they didn't have shit to go go on like there wasn't like tv y'all so it wasn't no porn hub um folks were doing a lot of experimenting back in the day and experimenting back in the day so all right, 1907, the first electric washing machine is sold and it is nicknamed Thor. Because <laughs> it's electric. <laughs> they tried it. They tried it. They really did. They were trying to be fun. 1908, the Tungusta event occurs, which is a huge unexplained explosion that happened in Serbia. This explosion has been potentially linked to an, um, an asteroid or a comet. Yeah, but they have no explanation for it. There is no like because they didn't have the science to do it back then, and now even if they try to test it, it's been over a hundred years. Like, oh yeah, right. Uh, 1909, the NW NAACP is founded by W. E. B. Du Bois, Mary White Ovington, and Moorfield Story. Some something some I think Mary is a Jewish woman. Yeah. Because I I think the NAACP's founding members, like there were like there was other members that actually came in later, but I think like some of them were Jewish. That makes sense. We we understand each other. We see each right. other. Yeah. And then there was one guy who was just extremely light skinned. Like he was like almost passing light skin. Like he was like extremely light skinned. Um all right, and then lastly, and we're going to end on another sad note because I guess the 1900s, like the early 1900s, was like full of death. Um, in 1909, Japan's former prime minister, Prince Ito uh, Hirobum, uh, Hirobumi, was assassinated by a Korean independence activist. Yeah, girl. Assassination, pew, pew. All right, again, we're getting into the story. We're getting in, we're in 1900s. 
<sighs> and baby, this one's a, a little bit of a doozy. We 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 gotta be conscientious of the time, folks. So please uh understand that this is 1900 we're talking about. And in parts of it we're in like like the late 1800s. So give it a second. I so some buggies. <laughs> the just the the rawness of it like of it all like the dust like i could feel the dust and smell the funk because mm. i know they, i know they stunk they stunk bad as hell we would probably keel over if we went back there we would probably keel the fuck over <laughs> it would take nothing it would take nothing all right so um Bertha Gifford, born Bertha Alice Williams, uh, was born October 30th, 1871 in Morse Hill, Missouri. Morse Hill is a in- incorporated town. So I'm guessing is one of these places that is so small that it's like an incorporated town. So it's kind of like a town of a town. Like it has like probably so little people that is like not even its own town. Um and yeah, this is where she's born. She is born to William Coyne Dexter Williams. Are they black? No. Oh, uh, I was about to say, I knew somebody with the last name Coyne Dexter that was black. Or something. So the thing that made me think, I was like, damn, is they black? Because not only his name is William Coyne, like Coyne Dexter Williams. Yeah. And Williams, as we know, is a very common black last name and then i have to also remember slavery y'all true the william name is not our last name is is slaveholders last names but they i had to bring but poindexter yeah i've heard that name before yeah but his name is william poindexter williams i was just like oh his family was fun at parties william williams william williams (sighs) okay (laughs) but he's telling me they I called him um because William B- B- Bill Billy probably Billy and, yeah or Dexter Point Dexter whatever and her her mother name was Matilda Williams and favorite movie guys is Matilda loves Matilda great great movie um uh Bertha was one and Bertha is such a that's a big black name like, that's oh, a that woman. Either an old black woman or Bertha is is your bunk mate in prison. Listen, the only <laughs> Bertha I've ever known was fabulous, honey. I mean, with church with rhinestones on her outfit, may she rest in peace, Bertha. I loved her, and every time she saw me in church, mind you, she would she would always say, "Hey, sexy," <laughs> and I'd be like, <laughs> "Bertha, the church be saved." Listen, she's saved. Bertha, but Miss Bertha was something else. You could tell she was probably a trip younger. <laughs> cause she had listen, cause she lived her life. She did, and That's she can't apologize for nothing. With stories, okay. Listen, I miss her. She was, oh. she was everything. Oh, may she rest in peace. All right, uh, Bertha Williams at the time. This is her main name. Was one of ten children. That makes sense for the time. It, I mean. It, it does, but I'm just like, God damn. Like, I mean, they had nothing better to do, y'all. Like, they really didn't have nothing better to do. I had to really bring that down. <laughs> Sex was it. So, uh, needless to say, she was never alone. Like, she was never alone. Because you can imagine, like, there is no multiple bedrooms. It's like a room, a room, and then, like, a little kitchenette area, and, like, that's it. And outside. That's, that's all it was. Ten kids and y'all and y'all have all that sex to have. Oh my! I mean, they had no birth control, and if they did, no, I don't think birth control came for a little bit longer. But if they did, your husband wouldn't let you go get on the birth control. Listen, they they practiced the pullout method, which was just pullout game weak. (laughs) Pullout game weak enough. All right, so we don't really know much about her childhood. Like, we, like, we're not giving any information. Um, But what we do know is, like, when she is 23 years old, she, um, well, no, 22, she marries Henry um, Graham. And Henry Graham um, 
and her are married, and they could like kind of like the talk of the town because Bertha in her youth was a fine mama Siva. She was turning heads like she was getting them digits. Okay, if there was digits to be got, Bertha was getting. She was considered very attractive, and yeah, and he was like basically it was like a catch. So um, they ended. They had a daughter by the name of Lila, and they founded a board. Uh, founded and ran a boarding house known as the Morris Hill Hotel, and pretty much for like they did this for about a decade together. And during this decade, uh, things are kind of you know going well as far as people can tell. Like there's no. Up, there's no I'm pretty sure there's some like arguing and marital whatnot but everything seems to be a-okay uh I mean besides you know maybe Graham not being the most faithful husband I mean he did have a woman around town but you know Bertha wasn't I guess tripping because Bertha had uh herself a little uh side join herself by the name of Eugene uh, Gifford and Eugene was like 10 years her junior so if she's 32 he's 22 um, Bertha is just like I don't care I got my little side piece I'm not worried about uh, all you got going on here uh, and I mean it seemed like that was just going to keep going on because you know at this time women didn't have you know the autonomy to get divorced anyway uh, but Eugene, he was all in. He was like ten toes down with his boo thing, uh, his boo thing, uh, Bertha. He had a fiance at the time, and he called off the engagement because he was so in love with Bertha. Bertha was the one. And if you think that you know Eugene, you're wasting your time. She can't leave her man. It ain't never gonna be you, boo. You'll be wrong because uh, Henry. Uh, in in this like short time span that like they're getting together, Eugene and Bertha, Henry comes down with the illness of pneumonia and tragically passes away. And you know, after about a year or some little change, Bertha takes her time to grieve like the good widow she is, and then decides, hey, um let's just get married. We're just going to get married. So they ended up getting married in 1907, Eugene um, and Bertha, and this is how Bertha became not, uh, no longer Bertha Williams to Bertha Graham to now Bertha Gifford, as she is known. Um, and they ended up moving to Catawissa, Missouri, uh, where they set up shop and run a farm. It, and things, again, seem to be going well. Like, it's not, you know, of course, it's not a big bustling city. And it is, you know, a lot of work. Uh, Eugene, or Gene, as he is known, is working the farmlands. And he has hired hands that come help. But, like, everything seems to be going well. They're well known in their community and seems to be pretty liked. Bertha is known to be in a great cook. She cooks for the farm hands. She makes sure that she is there when people need her. She is even becomes a community nurse. Um, she cares for people when they're sick, young and old. She really doesn't care. She, you know, is just always there when they need it. She always had like a doctor's bag. So like I'm guessing like one of them like leathery pouch bags that uh, doctors back in the day used to carry. Um, I was gonna say, if her name Bertha, she better be able to cook. Like, you might be able to throw it down okay she's and, nice right like I mean she helping out she she with the people like what's the, like what's going on like like what come on like what's happening well versus like patients again like I said like most of them were children because you know children get sick like stuff happens first of all this is the early 1900s like a little bug bite is getting putting you down can put you six feet under so and and in this time period like you also gotta know like that we're dealing with small towns so Catawissa only had one doctor that was available so Bertha used to use her services so she would go out and support people like that were sick right and she would then inform the doctor of the town that like that people were sick so that way they could get medicine and so she would be the go-between so she really acted like an RN like she Bertha was running running things like an RN 
So, uh, however, not everybody was buying the act, okay? Not everybody was buying what Bursa was selling. So, uh, one of those people was uh, Mrs. Cooper, who basically said, like, who who basically said, uh, I'm not even playing with this woman. She's not coming around these parts. And this all kind of came about where we get ahead of Miss Cooper's daughter, Marguerite, um, comes down with the illness. Um, her daughter is 10 years old at the time. And Bertha comes to her family home and is on her doorstep with her all white outfit on and her uh, black set uh, a doctor's bag in hand, ready to, ready to um, help the sick Marguerite. Uh, but Miss Cooper is saying, uh-uh, I'm not playing with you. And the reason why she's not playing with her is that several children died under Bertha's care under mysterious circumstances. And Miss Cooper was just not going to allow her 10-year-old daughter to be fall victim. So Miss uh Miss Bertha didn't even make it past her her doorstep, her door frame, before um Miss Cooper took a broomstick and chased her down um down the road with this broomstick away from her house um potentially saving her own daughter so let's go back henry bertha's first husband um is thought to be bertha's first victim so basically bertha wanted to move on from her from her and henry's marriage but she couldn't do that because of course she can't divorce her husband she can't leave her husband because you know that would just be unheard of and it would just be bad so she decided to poison his um food and get him up out of here and he gets sick and is believed that her the poison that she uses to kill her husband is arsenic and that will just come up in a little bit of why people believe it's arsenic so that is her first victim of murder she then pretty much gets away with it leaves town with her new man Eugene um, and was just like okay I like killing so I'm going to keep killing um she is like, not nice like I thought no, <laughs> no Bertha is not a nice woman she is actually the most wicked woman I have ever seen so this so a lot of this case comes to light from different victims, but I just want you to know that like there are potentially 17, 13 victims in total, but she only like is she doesn't get found guilty for all of them. But remember, like she's working in this small town, it's not that many people, but she's like the nurse for all of these people. So imagine this th this town is like her hospital. So if anybody falls sick, she's at their door. So, um, at the door with death. <laughs> listen, she's like the grim reaper, the grim sleeper. She ain't playing. So, two brothers, uh, it the age is uh, said differently depending on our article, but we're gonna say the oldest brother, Lloyd uh, Schimmel, and his younger brother, uh, Elmer Schimmel. So, Lloyd is around like eight or seven, and Elmer is either six or seven. So the the numbers are pretty much a little weird uh, with them because I guess, you know, youth. They were young. Um, uh, Bertha works on both of these boys and they die within six weeks of each other from the same illness. It is brought into suspicion in the community when like these two brothers like pretty much die very close to each other. Um, they tell the like these suspicions grow, and the only doctor in the community that I mentioned before, Doctor Hemker, um, wanted to do an autopsy. But the boy's father, well, they wanted to do an um, autopsy only on Elmer, but the boy's father refused, and so um, Hemker, Doctor Hemker, ended up having to write on the uh, report that uh, Lloyd's death is unknown and Elmer's was acute gastritis. And this is not the first time he has written that type of illness down for a patient that has died under uh, under Bertha's care. So, um, so 
this ended up these two boys death kind of was the catalyst for everything we hear today so these uh so the community begins to write letters um into the franklin county prosecutor's office to frank jenny um to take immediate action against bertha because they like this this chick up in here killing people like it's not it's not a game and we're not even about to play with this play with this woman like this like she's just trying to get away with stuff and she's killing us and these two boys have fallen victim and i'm guessing like the 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 boy's father and like did not think like anything was up because he was just like i trust this woman and everything and the community was just like baby more people have died and it's not just your kids and we need to really look into this so but nothing's up at least the prosecutor can say oh through investigation nothing was happening so the the ages of her victims range from the ages of 15 months old to 72 years old. And they all are from different parts of life. So none of her victims have much connection. Um, and and it's, it really seems pretty random. Some of her suspected victims were her, like, well, some of them do have a connection to her, but they don't have a connection to these people. A lot of these people don't have connections to each other in the, in the fact of age and the demographic and the social connection. So suspected victims of Bertha are her niece. This is her niece. Um, I'm guessing the niece of her own niece, her mother-in-law, her 13-year-old brother-in-law in 1913, her husband's uncle, the uncle's three-year-old granddaughter um and a farmhand by the name of james ogle um another farmhand by the name of ed um brindley uh and the youngest suspected victim is a 15 month old by the name of bernard stufflender stufflender y'all i do not know how to months. 15 months and so it wasn't until like so she's been doing this throughout the years so that, like literally her first murder is considered in 1907 in 1903 with her with her husband and then her last kind of no murder is in 1920 in 1927 and so we're going to get into um her last murder so in 1927 in 1927 49 year old ed brinlin who had worked as a farmhand for Bertha and her husband, uh, like for Bertha and her husband comes up dead inside of their home. And basically Dr. Hemker is just like, yo, like this is suspicious, like what's going on? But because him and another doctor could not come up with a cause of death for um, uh, Ed, it was like he was buried with um on his death certificate acute gastritis and he again was another victim that had acute gastritis as his cause of death and gastritis what they need girl like acute gastritis baby i mean i don't even think crohn's could do what is being done so it it, is wild so this set the Catawissa community ablaze. So they were more fired up than ever. They were just like, okay, prosecutor, you're not listening to us about these two young boys' murder. How, like, these two young boys' mysterious death. How about this man? Like, what, come on. And they kept pushing harder and harder. So this um, got the interest of media and a St. Louis um, news investigator came out and and um, ran a report on on the mysterious deaths and all like the gastritis um, deaths that had been going on inside of Catawissa. And this kind of ended up being kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And the, the prosecutor, uh, Mr. Jenny, um, ended up t- taking what he knew to a grand jury and Bertha was just like, oh, no, 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 no. You are not uh, going to throw me under the bus. So because she was scared of the investigation, her and her husband left town and went to another county in St. Another county called St. Louis County um, in order to live their lives. And 
And so she basically was trying to run away from justice. But the people of Catawissa was not going to let this rest. So just because she ran away from investigation doesn't mean that they weren't ready to go to war with her. So they was like, no, you need to follow her because where she goes, death will follow and you need to get her. So with more pressure again from to prosecutor, another grand jury was called and this verdict stuck. So on August 28th, a um, testimony was brought to the grand jury basically to say that Bertha is very suspicious um, and the thing that we have that makes her the most suspicious is the fact that she has um, been uh, seen buying and there's evidence that she has bought poison arsenic from a local drugstore called Pacific uh, Drugstore. I guess it's uh, in a town called Pacific and this testimony has led, led to the indictment um, for the murders of Elmer Schimmel and Ed Breland, and later for Elmer's brother Lloyd was added on at a later time. So August 28th, Bertha was arrested with no resistance at all. This came as a shock to the, the officer that was arresting her because they were just like, I don't know what I'm walking into. I don't know if this is some girl that got a bone through her nose and 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 some and some dolls hanging up, or she's going to try to fight. Like, they, he didn't, really did not know what to expect. But the, she did not, you know, act the fool. She she got in, she left with him, and was arrested calmly. And when basically told what her charges were, she was just like, why would anyone say such a thing? <laughs> Man. I knew she was going to be bold. <laughs> she went quietly. I was like, she's going to be bold. But whatever she got to say. <laughs> How did anybody say that? It's such a thing. If I was old me, I am helping my community. Exactly. Right. It's, it's, it's wild. So, um, however, there, she did confess to the crimes that she was in, committed, like uh, indicted for. So she actually does admit to the crimes, but ends up pleading. Um, Innocent and by reason of ins insanity, ma'am, not insanity. I mean, it probably was easier back then to plead insane because insane was a newer right, thing. and the threshold for insane was like real low. <laughs> I was gonna say you could you could just forget and wear your shirt inside out by accident. No, you could show your ankles off, and they'd be like, "Oh, lobotomy." <laughs> in the institution institutionalized and she's a woman so i think that, that, that like the sexism involved with that like she's clearly crazy, she's crazy. which would have worked in her favor because she they she they would have called her hysterical like she had a case of hysteria right like and they decided to write an article about miss bertha gifford like basically saying call her ugly like so they were just like she was heavy set and they said that, that was a meaner way than saying plump because plump um, kind of signified that she was cute, but she wasn't cute. Like her features had hardened over the years. She was now in her 50s. She was 53 years old. She wasn't like the, the beautiful woman that she was in her 20s. And I'm like, I mean, it's been 30 years, folks. I'm sure she's not going to look the same as she did when she was 22. Sexy. Folks, sexism can't beat it, can't beat it. But again, of course, because it's just seen weird, and it seems that like again, like I have to draw back to the fact that the the weird thing about Bertha is the fact that there seems to be no motive, like there's no technical like gain for her because there's no insurance policy except for maybe her first husband. There is no money like she's clearly just doing this for the thrill of killing like she killed her first husband liked it and said you know what I'm gonna do it to the rest of these folks and they're gonna think I'm a hero because I am a nurse like yeah it, it was she was hiding in plain sight yep she had she had a little a little she has been the smarter of these past few cases that we've had like for people committing crimes she she had a thing going 
Right. But she was hiding in plain sight. And I think, and one of the big things that I think, like, there's even, like, I, there's several papers on this about, like, how female serial killers, like, one of the most common occupations for them is nursing. Because, one, because of sexism, that was one of the only industries that they could get into, but it's one of those industries that they can play off of because, like, they say basically, like, the idea is that women play off of either one of two things, their sexual, their sexuality and the maternal instinct. And so one of these two things are the ways women will commit crime. And I think I talked about this in like another episode around like war times, like women were doing crimes that related to sex. So they were either probably doing prostitution and things like that. So women were trying to find ways in doing crime because like, especially even commit violent crimes, they kind of have to go into there with like the, a spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. Like sweeten the deal before they go in for the kill where men are more abrupt. And aggressive with it, yeah. A spoonful yeah. of sugar, a spoonful of arsenic, Bertha. <laughs> Bertha had that arsenic. And so, like, the testimony that kind of pretty much seals the deal is one, her own testimony, because she confesses to the murders, uh, but also from druggist or what we know now as a pharmacist, uh, James Powers basically said that. Um, and show evidence that Bertha had bought large quantities of um, arsenic in in 1911 and 1917. And there also have been other um, evidence from other nearby uh, uh, drugstores of arsenic being bought by Bertha. One of the ways, of course, she was caught is like, even though like we don't have the modern technology, basic technology is having a book. So they had a red book that one would have like the regular medicines that were sold and the other side would say it says poison. And Bertha had literally her name is written in there and she signed it that she's bought in these large quantities of arsenic. And that's just uh, clean police work, folks. That's all they had back then was good detective work. But if I was Bertha, I would have pulled the Whitney Houston from back in the day. Show me the receipts. <laughs> right. Like, well, you there? Were you there? How you know that was me? There's plenty of birthday gifts. Of a hundred people. Show me the receipts. <laughs> Show me the card. They did. Uh, they pulled that book out. They were like, "Is this <laughs> this you?" <laughs> and she said, "My baby." <laughs> so it took three days for the trial to commence, and of course, Bertha is found guilty because she did that. Uh. But she was considered criminally insane and she was sent to live in an insane asylum in Missouri for the rest of her days until 1951 when she died. Dang, they actually made her stay in there. Mm hmm. Yeah, she didn't get so, like, yeah, also back in the day, like, institutions, like, it was you either got out like kind of early or you didn't get out at all. That's true because a lot of people could send their like send their wives basically if they didn't like what they. Was talking about. If they were giving them too much trouble, they could send their wives and they couldn't get out. Like, until, like, it's basically you 302 and somebody. Yep. But you can just 302 them for any reason. And nowadays, and like, I was reading something, it said basically nowadays, most people that are just functioning day to day life would be considered very much eligible to be sent to the nearest insane asylum oh, with yeah. the level of anxiety, burnout, stress, and, and all types of stuff that we'd be dealing with. So, Child, we lucky we don't live in the East. Is that right? Thank the Lord. So, in her confession, um, we we want to get into we want to get into this. Even though Bertha claims to be innocent of the crime she was accused of, she did admit to it, and, and so she basically said that the Shimble Boys, um, the father had brought her to them because they were to care for them and she told Dr. Hemker about like the boys and that they needed medicine and she put arsenic inside of the medicine she just like straight up I I did it like I basically Dr. Hemker assisted in her killing these people so she used the medicine and poisoned the medicine so she would like I guess powder it like any medicine given put some arsenic in it enough to kill them um, and in 1927, Ed Breland, because again, she was only found guilty of the three, um, of those three murders, even though there's like 
nine other people that have died because of her and as including her husband but because you know we don't have all of the stuff but people just like these people get if they died of gastritis and that was put down on the record it was poison she did it <laughs> So, um, and in 1927, she, uh, May of 1927, Ed Breland came over to the Giffords' home drunk because he was owed like $200 in unpaid, in unpaid wages, and he was upset, but being in a drunken stupor, he fell on concrete and hurt himself. This led, again, to Dr. Hemkirk coming over and prescribing um, Breland med medicine for the pain while he recuperated at the Gifford home, being drunk and, and probably seriously hurt. And she then slipped him more arsenic inside of his medication um, that was given to him. And Dr. Hemkirk literally probably did like a whole UE and was just like, baby, I was just here last night. I was, I was just here. And that is the story of Bertha Gifford. Uh, she's actually considered, she's one of the first female serial, known female serial killers. She is actually the first female serial killer in Missouri history. I was going to ask you, was she the first female serial killer? Yeah, for Missouri. She's not the first female serial killer all, all in all. Well, Big Bertha, she was somebody's, uh, Somebody's bunk mate. <laughs> she was the she was the big Bertha in the in the in the hospital ward. Child, baby, she really said, "You gotta go. If I gotta take care of you, baby, you might as well just kill over now, cause you ain't gonna make it." That is wild. Well, and and again, her crimes were not financially driven she's literally a thrill serial killer a crime of opportunity a true psychopath well a true a true, a true psychopath she she needed she needed this other uh, thing to set it off and it makes me wonder like because you know of course like i'm i'm pretty sure she probably did like some of the trinity right holy trinity shares probably some things in her past that we have no idea about because of course there's no real record and she probably didn't talk about it and I would have loved to see the psychiatrist notes for like that time, like about her, like what they analyzed. Because I personally, I believe that this woman suffered from some type of mental defect, but I am not saying she is considered criminally insane by any frame of the imagination. This woman methodically thought of how to get rid of her problems. Like her husband was a problem. She wanted to be with Jean, so she, she had to get rid of Henry. Uh, she she probably didn't like her mother-in-law. She probably didn't want to take care of... She probably didn't want to take care of these people, so she just killed them. <laughs> and it ended up in an insane asylum. I tell you. Or a mental institution, excuse me. It would have been an insane asylum back then. Mm -hmm. uh, I can yeah, imagine, she, like... She was pretty old, though. She was pretty old when she died, too. Like, she was like, I think... Yeah, uh, I was like, 1955, I'm like, that was old. She was like 76. So she made the maid a good long time. Good long time. But yeah, uh, she's roasting in hell, you know, with the with with Theodore and and, and them folk. <laughs> and them teddy bears. And them teddy bears. And them teddy bears. They roasted her ass on a stick as we speak. Mm-mm. These people, I'm whew. these people were something else. And a lot of the crimes, the earlier we got into the decade, like, the more it was just like, eh, I was bored. Or I just felt like doing this thing for no real reason. I mean, not that there should be a reason why you're killing somebody, you shouldn't kill anybody, but some of it was just like, I didn't like the way they fried my eggs that morning, so. They, off had, their head. they had, had to go. You, you couldn't be around me. And it was just like, literally like, if they could do it, they would do it. Yeah. And they could get away with it. Yep. Most of the time. Most of the time. But these people didn't. And and we are good for it because we do not, we do not need these type of people walking around here. So all right, y'all. That was like our episode, our final crime of the season. Um, we I know 
I know we enjoyed ourselves like this season, like enjoyed like like not even because of like cases, of course, dark stuff, but like enjoyed ourselves in like being this confident, more upbeat folks and coming in and ready to get down to business. So, you know, we've been joined by our lovely pixies in our in our episodes and they have been making things lively. Um and yeah, and my esteemed, gracious, beautiful, amazing co-host and friend Alyssa is, you know, always holding always holding. Yeah. I thank you for your grace this season with me, Latanya, and for our listeners. Hi. Oh, Audrey says hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, and she's blowing everybody a kiss. Yes. <laughs> Say thank you. Mm. Oh, she's blowing more kisses. Mm. Say bye bye. Everybody. Say bye. See you next week. Oh, she says see you later. She's just see learning. Later. <laughs> thank you for listening. We'll see you next week for the shoot shit. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>